0: He, and after that he he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, "Let us also go that we may die with him." <laughs> Exciting. Thomas is always a person that brings great encouragement to the to the stage when he's there. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you tonight for this portion of scripture. We thank you for the wonderful things that we can learn from it. I pray God, you teach us tonight. Thank you for your family, uh, your, your children that are here tonight, that they might learn. Lord, I pray that you give us a fresh insight in thy word. We'll give you all the praise, the honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. You know, there are times when people say what they say can be misunderstood or misinterpreted. You ever found that to be true? Um, driving through Texas, here we go, down in Texas, A New Yorker collided with a truck, was carrying a a horse in the trailer. And a few months later, he uh, tried to collect damages for his injuries. The insurance lawyer said to him, he says, why why are you trying to wait for so long to, to, uh, to collect for these damages? On the claim, you said that there were no injuries. And according to the police report at the time, you said you were not hurt. The New Yorker said, well... It's kind of like this. I was laying on the road in a lot of pain. And uh, I heard someone say that a horse had broken its leg. The sheriff took out his gun, and he shot the horse. And then he turned to me, and he asked, are you okay? <laughs> he said, man, he, he thought that he misunderstood what the sheriff was talking about. He thought if he had the uh, Brother Randy, we have somebody at the door back there. Uh, he thought if... if uh, if somebody, you know, if he said anything, the sheriff might shoot him. Uh, you know, uh, a little boy was a little boy was uh, had heard the the term in the house uh, that they they had a broken house, and he went about telling everybody. You know how children are; they tell what, whatever they hear, they tell it to everybody else. And his father finally told the young son. He said, "You know, I don't care if our basement walls have cracks in them." Please stop telling everybody you come from a broken home. (laughs) Kind of a little misunderstanding there in that. You know, we can be misunderstood, or we can misunderstand what people are saying or what we say. We may not be on the same page with those people. Uh, We may be trying to interpret what they're saying from our point of reference instead of theirs. Jesus was misunderstood. At the various times. For example, if we go to John chapter 2, you're there in John 11, but go to John chapter 2 and verse number 19. John chapter 2 and verse number 19, we find Jesus being misunderstood. John chapter 2 and verse number 19. Then Jesus answered and said unto, unto them, Destroy this temple, and, I, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. And uh, interesting, Jesus says, well, you know what? You destroy this temple. And they thought he was talking about the the temple, the place of worship. He says, well, you destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it back up. Remember at the time when they were trying to accuse him, that's exactly what they said in Mark 14, verse 58. They were looking for for excuses why they could put him to death. And it says, and we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. They misunderstood. They didn't understand what he was talking about. Jesus in warning his disciples about the teachings of the Pharisees was misunderstood. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 6. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Jesus is talking about leaven, and they're, they're thinking about food. You know, some people, that's all they think, that's all they think about is food. And uh, so here it says, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because they have taken no bread, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have no ye have brought no bread? Uh, do ye yet? "...not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up, neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, how many baskets uh, ye took up. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake uh, it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were to be aware. They misunderstood what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, had said. Jesus knew what he meant, but he had to clarify it so that his disciples would understand. Confusion and conflict can arise simply because we are misunderstood. People can't read our minds. Have you ever found that? You know, some, some people expect you to read their minds. Now, husbands and wives, when you've been married a while, are good friends. You can kind of read. You can look on their face. You know what they're thinking. You think. But I can guarantee you there's times when you don't know what they're thinking. People cannot read your mind. Instead of getting frustrated with others who misunderstand what you say, we ought to ask questions so that we might understand better. In our text, we find here back in John chapter 11... We find the disciples, they misunderstood what Jesus had told them concerning Lazarus, who had been sick. These 12 uh, had spent a lot of time trying to understand and get the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they still missed what he was trying to say at times. Jesus, in love and compassion, explained what he meant. And, you know, we can learn much from the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. How to be patient with those who do not understand our way of thinking. Ladies, can I tell you something? Guys don't understand your way of thinking. I'm just telling you up front. Guys don't understand your way of thinking. Ladies, expect guys to understand them. Your your way of thinking is on two different planes. I hear and understand that, that ladies use both sides of their brain and guys use only one side. You say, Pastor, that's how they can carry on conversations, do work, and, and they can, you know, carry on a conversation with this person and this person and, and, and do this over here too. And guys are trying to focus on one thing. You say, well, why don't they just get on the program? Because God didn't make us that way. Okay? So um, we, we need to understand that we don't all think exactly alike. And so uh, we need to learn to be patient and understand how people are thinking and how to explain clearly when we're communicating. You say, Pastor, uh, I I say certain things and people don't understand what I'm saying. Sometimes people will give short uh, statements, but they don't give complete statements. And you're trying to figure out where they're going with that rabbit trail. Uh, Now, ladies, that's the reason why I don't like Pictionary. I hate Pictionary. You say, why do you hate Pictionary? It's very simple. Ladies, they're kind of in tune with each other. They can draw a little line. Oh, that's the Empire State Building and a man jumping off. Like, what? Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. And how can they figure that out? Because they, they're just kind of in touch. And guys guys are sitting there, oh. That's how it is. So please be patient. Be patient with people. And this, is, this portion of Scripture, I think... Uh, as we stop and think about this, is important for us. And the message tonight is entitled, Being Misunderstood. Being Misunderstood. Notice, first of all, the the comment. We find in verse number 11 of John chapter 11, it says this, These things said he, Jesus, and after that he uh, saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Jesus called Lazarus his friend. Boy, what a special place that is for Jesus to call you a friend. Abraham was called the friend of God. The Bible says in James 2.23, And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. People knew that Abraham had a special relationship with God. The friend of God. Jesus called his disciples friend. We're here in John 11. Go to John chapter 15 and verse 15. Jesus speaks here to his disciples and he's John fifteen fifteen. He says, henceforth, I call you not servants for a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you. Notice, I have called you friends for all the things that I have heard of my father. I have made known Unto you. Jesus called the disciples his friend. You know, he even called Judas Iscariot friend. When Judas came to betray uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 50, Jesus called Judas friend. It says, And while he yet spake, excuse me, lo Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude of swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now it was. betrayed uh, excuse me now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying whosoever I shall kiss the same as he hold him fast and forthwith he came to Jesus and said hail master and kissed him and Jesus said unto him friend wherefore art thou come then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him even when we are disobedient to the Lord he still looks at, at us as friends when we're saved. Wow, that's amazing. Have you ever been around some people when, when uh, you're not going the same direction, they don't want to have anything to do with you? I mean, we're done. We're done. It's like they're no, no longer your friend. Jesus called those who obeyed His words their friend. John chapter 15 and verse number 14, look what it says. Jesus said, Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I've commanded you. The point is here that Jesus is our friend, but the question comes out, are we really Jesus' friend? See, Jesus is always our friend. You may not do what God says, but Jesus is still your friend. We demonstrate that we are Jesus' friends by obeying his word by doing what he asks us to do. If you love me, keep my commandments. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my saying. Folks, I submit to you tonight, as we stop and think about that, uh, are we Jesus' friend? He's my Savior. I, I want him to know that he's my friend. I want to obey him. I want to do what he says. 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The old adage, actions speak louder than words. Jesus said in Luke, he says, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do you call me master? Why do you call me friend, and you don't obey what I say? You know, though Lazarus had died, he, he was still the friend of the Lord. Though he died. Lazarus My friend, as we see, as we go back here to John chapter 11, look back there a second. John chapter 11. These things said he, and after that he had said, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Oh, I like what Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. You know, death doesn't stop us, uh, stop the Lord from being our friend. In Romans 8, 35 through 39, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) I am so glad that God put that portion in there. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He is our friend. Once we're saved, he's our friend. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Jesus refers to, in John chapter 11, refers to death as sleep. Notice what he says in here in verse 11. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. The word sleepeth is the Greek word which, which means to cause to sleep, to be still, to be calm, to, quiet, to be quiet, to die. That's the word that's used here. It was a very common expression among the Jews to express death by sleep and the expression of falling asleep uh, as sleeping with their fathers. For example, in the Old Testament, David slept with his fathers. The Bible says in 1 Kings 2.10, So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. In 1 Kings 11, verse 21, it says, And when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers, that And that uh, Joab, the captain of the host, was dead, hey, Dad said to Pharaoh, "Let me depart that I may go into mine own country." David slept. Uh, it wasn't like he was going to bed to sleep. No, he died. David died. Solomon slept with his fathers in first kings, chapter eleven verse forty three and Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, his son reigned. And instead, in the scriptures, sleep is used to indicate that physical death is not the end of the saved. Physical death is not the end. Uh, There is is an awakening out of sleep we know called a resurrection. It's a beautiful and tender expression, removing all that is dreadful about death. It's like sleep. It fills our mind with the idea of calm or repose uh, after a a life of toil and with a reference to the future. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 14. The last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 12. I've used this portion uh, many times in, in doing funerals for people. Revelation chapter 14, verse number 12 and verse number 13. It says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the the commandments of God and faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed, that word blessed means happy, are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Hey, happy are the Christians that die in the Lord. People that die in the Lord, hey, there's happiness. Happiness are those who die in the Lord. Yea, Uh, Sayeth the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. They rest from their labors. Some of us, we toil and we work and we labor and we say, Boy, I'm just what? Tired. I'm just tired. I need to have some rest. But as we stop and think of this, uh, David said in Psalm 17, uh, verse 15, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Some people look at this portion and say, well, see, Pastor, it talks about soul sleep. That's what it's talking about. I submit to you, if you do a study on the soul and also a study on the spirit, you'll find that the spirit departs at death. The soul departs at death. It doesn't stay in this body. This soul, your soul, when you die, does not go and stay in the ground. Your body goes to the ground God says, from dust thou art to dust thou shalt return. It's part of the curse. But our soul and spirit goes to be with the Lord Jesus if we're saved, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8. Folks, we, we have an assurance. Our Lord is in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's told us that in the scriptures. We have that confidence. And so when we think of this idea of Sleep it's dealing with this idea of our body. In fact, Matthew Henry puts it this way in his commentary. He says, "A Christian when he dies, does but sleep. He rests from the labors of the day uh, day, past and is refreshing himself for the next morning. Nay, herein, death has the advantage of sleep. that sleep is only the parenthesis, but death is the period of the cares and the toils. The soul does not sleep, but becomes more active. You know what? When you leave this body, when your soul leaves this body, your spirit leaves this body, goes to be with Jesus, hey, it's more active, it's more alive than it has ever been. Hey, you can read in the scriptures where it talks about the saints or what in heaven. They're praising God. They're rejoicing. Hey, it's a wonderful time. Boy, more active. Your, your uncle now is more alive, Brother Randy, than he's ever been. Praise the Lord. He says, The soul that does not sleep but becomes more active, but the body sleeps without any toss, without any tear, nor uh, distempered, nor disturbed. The grave to the wicked is a prison, and its grave clothes as the shackles of the criminal reserved for execution, but to the godly it is a bed, and all its bands as soft and downy fetters of an easy, quiet sleep. Through the, uh, though the body corrupt." It will rise in the morning as, is, as if it had never seen corruption. It is but putting off our clothes to be mended and trimmed up for the marriage day, the coronation day to which we must arise. One person has said this. When we die, it's the putting off of one garment to put on the new. How wonderful that is. It's just a change, like changing of the garments. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he writes about, he says, I know a man about 14 years ago. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He says, that man was caught up into paradise, the third heaven into paradise, and he saw things too wonderful. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He says, I saw things in heaven that are amazing. Folks, can I tell you, Uh, when God calls us home, it's just like going to be with him. And whether you're, you know, well, are we going to go to sleep and then wake up? No, no, no. In Luke 16, 19 through 31, it says the angels took Lazarus and carried him to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Hey, you go, boom, immediately. To one of two places, either heaven or hell. For the saint, we get to go to heaven. We get to see Jesus. We get to see all of our loved ones. I'll tell you what, we're going to be so busy uh, just rejoicing in what God has done and how wonderful it is to be together uh, with believers. And we were talking about that at lunch. Hey, we're not going to be thinking about this stuff anymore. All these problems down here. Hey, it's all going to be gone when we get to go to be in heaven. You know, sleep was regarded by the Jews in sickness as a favorable sy- a symptom. Sleep in sickness is a sign of recovery to them because it shows that the violence of the disease has diminished. You know, sometimes when, you, when you're uh, fighting a cold or something like that and, and your body is, what, thrashing around, but when you sleep, you're able to sleep at calm, it's a time of rest. What does the doctor many times tell you? Go home take some aspirin, and get plenty of what? Rest. Well, it's the same idea. In fact, there's these terminology that we find back there in John chapter 11. Um, It says, uh, he shall do well. Remember, Thomas says, well, if he's sleeping, he shall do well. You know, he's, he's recovering. This idea, the original word here, uh, the sense there is a uh, being getting. He's getting well. He's recovering. He's sleeping. If he's just sleeping, hey, let's just leave him alone. He's getting better. You don't need to wake up Lazarus. The disciples thought they understood what Jesus was talking about. In reality, they'd missed the point. Back in John chapter number 11, if you look and consider this, that Lazarus. Has died. Have you ever thought that you understood what someone had said, only to find that you didn't really comprehend? Guys, have you found that out about your wife? Your wife tells you to do something, or mentions that you need to. We need to do something, and you forget. I, is it just me, or is it, does, Do you guys understand that? I thought. You know, sometimes children they try to out, they try to get. In, try to get out of chores. By saying something like this, I didn't understand what I was supposed to do. See, folks, as parents or as teachers, one of the things that you learn, you give instruction. And then you ask uh, if they understand the instruction. And the third thing is the key. You ask them to repeat it back to you. Guys, I'm telling on you, so you better watch it. Well, when they do that, say, so tell me what I just said. because. Uh, And so when you can repeat it back, there's no excuse why you didn't do what you were saying. Well, you say, Pastor, I just, you know, sometimes we don't understand what what people are saying. Why? Because our mind is someplace else. Sometimes our mind is someplace else. You know, that's why I like to sit up front. I like to sit up on the edge of the seat. I don't like to get too comfortable because you know what? Especially in an air-conditioned building, nice padded pews. You know what happens? You can start to go nod off. You know, I, I was thinking about putting little uh, little uh, pieces of metal inside of all the seats there, and have a bunch of of buttons up here on the rows, and so button uh, third row, eleventh seat, boom, and give you a good zap. You know, that will wake you up. Um, because sometimes our mind gets. Gets uh, gets off. I've shared with you, uh, in, in, when I was out in California, I used to have a guy that would count all the knots. We had pecky cedar. How many of you have ever seen any pecky cedar? You know what that is? Uh, don't have it out too much out here, but pecky cedar is like wood that looks like it's been chewed up. And they used to build houses with it. And there would be all sorts of little spots in the wood. And I had a guy, he told me one time, he says, you know what, Pastor, during the message, I'm counting all the spots in there. It would be kind of like counting all the knots in these wood in, in this wood. Now, some of you are going to start doing that. Pastor, one, two. Our mind gets off. Our mind starts roaming. And so you say, well, Pastor, how, how, do, we, uh, how do we correct that problem? Well, that's called discipline. We need to bring our mind. When people are talking, we need to be listening. Listening uh, the art, listening is an art. And we've lost that art. Today, you, if you listen to, to some of these talk shows, people don't listen to what other people say they try to shout over top of them what they're trying to say, and they think, oh, see, I'm bigger because I can overshout you. No, you're rude. You're rude. I don't care who you are. There's called respect, and respect is listening to what somebody else has to say, and then you get a chance to say what you think. But we are so rude to each other today, and you know what? We've lost the respect that the Bible teaches. We need to get back to biblical principles. We need to stop. We need to pull ourselves back under control and learn to listen. And it requires discipline. The disciples heard the words, but misunderstood their meaning. Now notice, as we go back to to John chapter 11, the clearing up of the matter. We find that here in John chapter 11 and verse number 14. Notice what it says. It says, then said, or started with uh, verse number 12. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit, Jesus spake of his death, and they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Now notice, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. And then he goes on to say, uh, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go The explanation of that meaning of the word sleep. Jesus had tried to tell his disciples in a tactful way that Lazarus had died, but they didn't understand what he was trying to say. You know, there's some people that just don't get the dots. They don't connect the dots. I'm convinced the longer as we go in this society that people don't get the truth unless you give specifics. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, when we talk about sin, sin is kind of a big, broad... And you say, have you ever sinned? Well, no, I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't sin. You know, we need to clarify for people what sin is. The Bible talks about lying. Have you ever lied? Well, yeah, I've lied. The Bible says that were to speak truth every man to his neighbor. If I've lied, I have sinned. Thou shalt not steal. Have you ever stolen, taken anything that didn't belong to you? Yes. Then, yeah, you're a liar. Uh, Oh, no, I haven't taken anything. Have you ever taken a longer lunch break than you're supposed to take at at your workplace? Then you've stolen. You've stolen from your boss. Um, See, as as we help people to understand the points, what sin is? Christians don't understand it sometimes, but unsaved really don't understand it. So when you're trying to lead a person to Christ, you have got to help them to understand that they're a sinner before they need the, the need the Savior, because they think they're morally good. But folks, we need to be specific. We need to get down. Jesus had to get plain talk uh, down to the disciples. They should have picked up on it. Uh, Lazarus, he says, he had to be blunt. Lazarus has died. You know, there are those who say, well, just don't beat around the bush, just give it to me what? Straight. You know, I like it when people give it to me straight. And some people, they just never get around to the point. What's the point? That's why when when I'm listening to preachers, I like preachers who get down to the point. Some people, they just never get around to the point. What is the point of your message? What is the point? What point are you trying to make? Then there's other people, well I tell you what. They get right to it. Payday someday. B. R. Lakin used to preach that. If you never heard that message, that's a great message. B. R. Lakin. Payday someday. He gets right to the he gets right to the matter. If you sin, there's going to be a payday someday. You're going to pay for your sin. God's going God's to correct you. God's going to discipline you. I mean, he gets right down to it. And you don't have to wonder. Well, I wonder what he's talking about. That's why with D.L. Moody, that's exactly, people, some people didn't like how D.L. Moody preached, but he, he didn't have the formal schooling like some of these guys did. And some of them, they, they came and they, they talked about D.L. Moody. Well, he just, you know, he, he uses all sorts of slang and different, different types of things. That it's kind of, you know, he needs to elevate himself. You know what, may I share with you? I wish we had more D.L. Moody's who spoke the truth and thousands of people got saved. Because they understood the plain truth. Think of Billy Sunday. He said, you know, I hate the devil. Some people try to put the devil as their best buddy. Folks, Christians, the devil is your enemy. He says, Billy Billy Sunday says, I hate the devil. He says, if I could, I'd bite the devil. Whoa, I mean, how... I mean, here's a baseball, ex-baseball player. And he would, he would be doing all sorts of, of things that he would do in baseball. And people said, man, they'd come to hear him preach because he, had, he just put it out there. And people like to hear it put out straight. You know one thing about putting it out straight? Sometimes people don't like hearing it. But that's not the preacher's fault. That's their fault. Because God is trying to get their attention Jesus here is talking to his disciples. Hey, folks, don't you understand? Lazarus is dead. He had to be blunt. He had to be to the point. You know, the man or the woman of God is instructed to ponder what we say before we speak. We need to we need to say the right things the right way. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 32, it says the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. But the mouth of the wicked speaketh forwardness. That word acceptable means pleasure, delight, favorable acceptance. The person who is a godly person, a person who is a righteous person, he's not just throwing out things that are going to cut and and chop people down, but they know what's acceptable. Excuse me, acceptable, what is the right thing to say for the situation. Proverbs 15, 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Or how good is it? Due season, it means at the right time. You know, there's some things you ought to say at a certain time and there's other things you ought to wait for a more convenient time, a better time. Sometimes people, when they're upset, they come to a person and they what do they do? They tell their mate or somebody at night when that person's already tired tells them all sorts of... You know what? That was the lousiest meal I ever had. Can I tell you something? If you do that late at night, can I tell you something? You're a foolish person. Say, why is that? You may not like that meal, but you ought to save it for another time. You ought to think and, and, and ponder what you're getting ready to say. How can you encourage for a better meal. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 28, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Pastor, I don't like to study. I asked the kids today, I said, you're back in school? Yeah. When did you start? Well, Thursday. Guess what? We've got to study all over again. They weren't too happy about that. But you know what? As Christians, as, as believers, we're to study. We're to study how we need to respond to people. When people say things, we ought not to just spew whatever comes out of our mouth because it says, there. this is what it says, the heart of the righteous studyeth the answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Mouth of the wicked, they don't care what they say. They don't care who it hurts. The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. That word fitly in the Hebrew, it's the, it's the idea of a wheel. You say, well, why would they use fitly meaning a wheel? Well, a word uh, uh, upon the wheels that runs well. It's circums, uh, circumstance in proper time and place, instruction, advice, or comfort given seasonally and in apt expression adapted to the case of the person spoken to, the, uh, to and agreeing with the character of the person speaking. It's like golden balls resembling apples or like true apples of golden color or perhaps gilded, as sometimes we have uh, gilded laurels and those embossed in pitchers of silver and rather brought to the table in a silver network basket. Matthew Henry says that what he's talking about. It's kind of like a wheel. It's not a wheel with a broken side to it, but what does it do? It's round. it, It goes well. The word spoken at the right time is going to be that which is going to help and encourage, you know, a soft answer turneth away what? Wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. So if, I'm going, if I have a soft answer, it's like that wheel. I'm saying at the right time. It's going to help things to go much better But if I say something that's going to hurt and destroy, guess what? It's like a chunk is cut out of that wheel and it's not going to go well. But the right word spoken at the right way in the right time is a blessing. For some, the truth has to be plain, black and white. Jesus had to tell his disciples the truth. Plain and simple, Lazarus is dead. You know, the explanation of that, that that purpose for his delay is found back there in John chapter eleven verse fifteen. Notice what Jesus says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. You know, if Jesus uh, had been there, the people would have believed. Well, they would have believed he had Jesus had power to heal the sick. The sick. His friends, they would have been easier on Martha and Mary because they wouldn't have had to go through that, that mindset that here's Lazarus, he's dead, he's stopped living, he's, he's not around us anymore. In fact, he'd been dead, uh, as he, when Jesus gets there, he'd been dead four days. All the sorrow that they go through and the, and the fact that their loved one is no longer there, there, there's that part of us that wants that connection. But may I share with you, uh, Jesus, he said he went and was going to do something greater than just raise him from sickness. He was going to raise him from the dead. Jesus wanted them to understand, I am the resurrection and the life. Look what he says in verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Well, see, they didn't understand that. He was trying to build their faith. He was trying to encourage them. And this delay in going to Lazarus was for their benefit. It was going to be something greater than they had had seen. Jesus, raising Lazarus from the dead, did much to supply that which was lacking in their faith. Jesus said unto his disciples, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, Jesus didn't say, let us go to to Mary and Martha and comfort them. No, he said, we're going to go to Lazarus. You know, death, which will separate all of us from our loved ones and our friends cuts off the correspondence with him, cannot separate us from the love of Christ, nor put us out of the reach of his call. Isn't that wonderful? Death cannot stop the Lord from calling his own back to life. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, to gather, uh, caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Death can't, death can't keep that body in that ground when the Lord calls it. Somebody said when he called for Lazarus, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. If he didn't specify for Lazarus to come forth, all of the people in the graves would have come forth. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He's going to call. And they're going to come out. say, well, Pastor, I wonder if he's going to know my name. (laughs) All he has to do is say, come forth. That's our Savior. That's our God. Thomas, in verse 16, we find the emptiness of of the feeling by Thomas in verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> this place had tried to, dis- uh, tried to put Jesus to death before this. You Can you imagine? Jesus was going to do something great. But here's Thomas, the old person who's going okay, guys, let's all go with him. You know, we're going to be martyrs for Jesus. Jesus was going to do something great. Jesus was going to do something amazing. They misunderstood Jesus. They misunderstood what he was going to do and what he was going to say. Thomas didn't see the importance of the work to come. He just considered the disturbing prospect of what might happen. You know, there's some people that worry about what might instead of praising the Lord for what he is doing. Let me ask you today, are you battling with being misunderstood? Perhaps the Lord is trying to hone you in this area to make you a better communicator, to make sure your words and what you're saying is understood. You say, well, Pastor, why would God try to work that out of me? Because he wants you to communicate better. All of us can improve on that, especially in communicating the gospel to make sure people understand simply and clearly. Perhaps the Lord is trying to help you to realize that others cannot read your mind. Folks, others can't read your mind. So when you're speaking to them, if you want them to understand what you're talking about, you need to be clear in what what you're saying. Perhaps the Lord is trying to make you more alert when others are speaking. You ought to listen more and focus on what's being said. You know, being misunderstood, we all can be misunderstood from time to time. pray that God would help us and work on us in this area. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you tonight for this portion of Scripture. I thank you for the patience of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, with the disciples. They didn't get his... Ideas, many times, they didn't understand. He speaks, and they just don't comprehend. I think of John chapter, John chapter 14, when Jesus is said that he was getting ready to go to heaven, and he was the way, the truth, and the life. And Philip says to him, Jesus, just show us the Father, and it'll be enough. They didn't understand that the things that Jesus said and the works that he did or your works. Father, it's so hard to understand what people are saying sometimes. But Father, we need to listen so that we can have the right answer. And Lord, that we can do that which is pleasing in your sight. Father, I pray for these that are here tonight and Lord, perhaps they've been misunderstood or Father, perhaps there are some that that uh, have misunderstood what they have said. Lord, I pray that you'd work in our lives tonight as you think about your own life. Let me ask you a question: Have you been misunderstood by others? You say, Pastor, boy, you know what? It's what what I said and what they took me to say was something totally different, and it it uh, didn't go the right way. It hurts. Sometimes. Maybe God's speaking to you tonight about being a better communicator and you say, Pastor, please pray for me. I, I I want to be able to get the gospel out. I want, when I'm speaking and I'm talking to people, I want to make sure that I say the right things. Perhaps tonight, as you think about your what you say, maybe uh, you need to think more about what you say before you say it. Say, please just pray for me. Is there anybody like that? Amen. Yes. Amen. Dear Father, I pray for these hands. And Lord, they're they're honest before you. They know that they need help. That's why they're asking for prayer. And Lord, you can help them. Lord, I pray you'd help them tonight. Father, if there's one without Christ, I pray they'd come and be saved tonight. We'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott, come lead us in a song of invitation. If you're not sure you're saved, please come and get saved tonight. If you are saved, you say, Pastor, you know what? I need to pray about some things. The altar is